0: For many of us, if we were asked about a particular Bible story that we were taught as a kid or that we learned anywhere along the line, and someone said, who taught you that Bible story? We probably would have a very hard time identifying a single person. Uh, If you think of the big ones, David and Goliath, Noah's Ark, uh, the Ten Commandments, Jesus on the cross, maybe you have an early enough memory that you would remember a parent but for a lot of us, it's one of about six people we know that taught our Sunday school classes when we were kids. And I can go, well, it was either this one or this one or this one, but I, I don't totally remember. At this point, learning that piece of information has just totally absorbed into my brain. Uh, very few of us can remember particular books we read when we were first taught how to read or who taught us our multiplication tables. There's just certain information that soaks in and it's stuck there and we can't tell you where it came from. Uh, The passage we're going to look at today is not one of those for me because it was a passage I managed to steadily miss for about 24 years. I remember very distinctly I was in the parking lot of a Target I was with my friend, Danny Reese. We were grad students together at Harding Grad, and we were walking into Target, and we were talking about ministry, and he brought up a passage that I should know. I had read the Bible through two or three times at this point in my life, so I certainly had read it before, but I was just unaware it was there. And we were talking about ministry. Danny actually is a missionary now in Angola, Africa, and him and I were talking about the frustrations of futility, That in ministry, you often work, work, work to get something particular done. And then you look around and you go, nothing is happening. And I had kind of gone to this parable of the sower, which many of you guys know. This is where there's a sower who has seed and he is planting it in different kinds of soil. And there's rocky soil and there's thorny soil and there's finally the good soil that it pops up and grows in. And we were talking about, well, you know, sometimes it's frustrating just because we're dealing with really hard soil. We're saying something to make ourselves feel better, frankly, about the lack of fruit and the things that we were trying to do. And Danny goes, well, and there's also that simpler one in Mark about the seed that, that helps talk about it. And I said, well, the simpler one? He said, yeah, you know, the one that's just about the seed that grows. I said, Danny, that doesn't sound like a parable. That sounds like almost nothing. He goes, well, it is almost nothing. It's like four verses long, but it's a distinct parable of Jesus. It's only in Mark. And this is the way that parable goes. Jesus also said to them, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, and then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. For people who go to church here regularly, you are tired of me telling this, but I feel like I should, particularly with our guests. We always remember that when we talk about the kingdom of God, we are talking more about a verb than a noun. The kingdom of God we tend to think of as a place. We tend to think of heaven. We think of sort of this uh, glorious castle coming down out of the sky. But really kingdom of God in Greek is far better translated as the reign of God, the rule of God. What happens when God's will is done on heaven, in heaven as it is on earth. And so when Jesus here talks about this is what the kingdom of heaven is like, he's saying this is what uh, the reign of God is like. If you want to know, what's it like for God to be alive in our world and acting in our communities? What's it like for God to be working in my life? How does that work? Jesus goes, well, here's one of the ways it works. This is one of the ways it happens. This is one of the things that you feel and you experience when you are trying to do God's will in the world. And he gives us a very simple agrarian metaphor that is the reason why most of us hate planting anything. Jesus talks about how you put the seed in the ground and then you just wait for it to do its thing. And ultimately, you can't really control what happens. Even if you're with a master gardener, I can think of a friend of ours here in the neighborhood. She has a beautiful big garden. We were walking with her through it one day and uh, she goes, Oh, yeah, you know, this year the green beans just didn't come up like they're supposed to. I have no idea what happened. I'm like, What do you mean you have no idea how it happened? You're. You, you, you do this every year. You have dozens and dozens of different plants that you plant every year. You know the seasons. You know when to pl- – you know, you're the encyclopedia. When I need to know what to do, I call you, and you don't know how they grew. But the reality is for even an experienced farmer or experienced gardener, sometimes you put the seed in the ground, and it just doesn't grow. And some of us who are terrible gardeners also get lucky every once in a while, right? This is, uh, they say gambling is very addictive because of the fact that you fail, you fail, you fail, but then suddenly you succeed once and you're back on board for a lot more failure. That's what gardening is for many of us. We just plant and plant and plant and plant. And the one thing that pops up, we're like, yeah, I'm coming back next year. But we have no idea how to really make it happen. We try the fertilizer and we try to make sure it's in the right light and the right time of year. We try to, you know, sometimes here you get snow in April and like, oh, there it goes. I mean, there's just all kinds of factors. And it's frustrating for us that we cannot figure out what really makes something grow and what doesn't make something grow. And Jesus just acknowledges that in this passage. He says, you, you plan it and then you just wait and you see what happens. It's, uh, he uses this very interesting phrase that whether the farmer sleeps or he wakes, it grows all by itself. Uh, we hate that because we are productivity people. Uh, we live in a culture that is obsessed with getting the numbers and the statistics and seeing if something has worked. Uh, you guys deal with this a lot in school, right? We have this constant debate about how do we measure if kids are learning or not. And so you get thrown probably a billion standardized tests. And somehow they're going to figure out if your growth as a human being can be marked on a Scantron test, which is just ridiculous. I mean, you guys know it's ridiculous. Your teachers know it's ridiculous. But then if we say, well, we're not going to mark it at all, someone will go, well, we have to figure out whether it's working or not. We just were so invested in figuring out if we can put a number or a graph to whether something is happening the way it's supposed to. And Jesus says this frustrating thing. If you take a nap or if you're working real hard, that seed's going to grow the same way. It doesn't matter. You've got nothing to do with it. And we want to control it so much more than that. We want to go, no, there's got to be something we can do to make sure it's not a waste. And Jesus goes, do what you want. But once that seed's in the ground, the the soil is the only thing that's going to make it grow. And you cannot make it happen one way or the other. He then explains how the, the wheat will grow up. And I imagine uh, we now have these time-lapse videos of plants growing. I'm sure you've seen like on a nature show or whatever where it just kind of peeks through the ground. And you see it rapidly expanding and growing up and getting bigger and bigger. And Jesus kind of tries to give that image to a pre-video world. Uh, if he just goes through this process. He goes, first this happens and then this happens and then this happens. And it's the excitement of the time-lapse of growth. And he says this is the way God's work in the world happens, is you plant the seed and then you just wait. You can't do anything to make it better or worse. And then you just watch to see what God does. And the final image is he says once it has come to a maturity and to growth, then you go out and you harvest it. You find your wheat and you, you pick it and you reap it. Uh, I find it really interesting that we don't talk often about reaping right because for us it's like grim reaper right the reason you've probably heard many sermons about you need to be seed sowers in the world but you probably have not often heard a preacher go you need to go be a reaper in the world around you it just feels a little ominous and a little frightening like what are you talking about but what Jesus does is he gives us two roles and two tasks that he wants us to do the first one you've probably heard in a lot of sermons, and we say all the time, often to make ourselves feel better. We go, I'm just here to plant seeds, and God brings the growth. And we say that when we don't see growth, typically, right? I've never seen anybody go, wow, look at how well this is working. That's all God. I just planted the seeds. Usually it's when nothing is working that we go, well, I just plant the seeds. It's like a defense, you know, like let me put the blame on God's shoulders for why this thing is not working out the way I want to. But God gives us two roles, sowing and reaping. And it's really helpful for us to frame how we do our work. I won't talk much about the sowing because, as I said, I think you've probably heard that sermon many times before. Sowing seeds is doing the little things that start faith in someone's life. A simple kind word, speaking a a word for for God, saying something um, that encourages someone, or saying something that might invite them to church, or just beginning uh, a conversation, just an act of kindness. This is how we sow seeds. And we love sowing seeds because it's relatively low conflict. It's relatively uh, low in face-to-face interaction. We can mow somebody's yard and go, Jesus loves you, hope you enjoy the yard, and then leave. And whew, got that done. I got it off my Christian checklist. And there's nothing wrong with sowing seeds. Sowing seeds is good. That is half of the work of the farmer that Jesus talks about in this passage. But the reaping part is is another part that I think we're called to be part of in, in God's work. Here's what the reaping part looks like. It's like when your friend is just real close to just finally giving up and trying something new. When you see somebody who's just real beat down and they're like, I've tried everything, I don't know what else to do. Reaping goes, you know, why don't you kind of just come to church with me? If everything else has failed, give that a go. It's taking someone you had spiritual conversations with several times and you've seen growing more and more curious and saying, why don't you just take the plunge and come with me to Easter? Or even taking someone that you've been studying the Bible with and going, you're ready to become a Christian. Why aren't we baptizing you yet? We hate that one. We hate this part of the job, the reaping part, because that's scary. That is high conflict. That is you are doing A, and I want to encourage you to now do B. When we started this church, we had to raise a lot of money. And one of the things that I did is went through a fundraising seminar about how to ask people for money, because a lot of us don't like to do that. And the biggest thing they stressed with us is they said, You have got to get to a point where you ask a question and shut up. They said, you need to get to the point where you look somebody in the eyes and you go, Brita, we would love for you to give us $50 a month to help us with this ministry. Will you do that? And then you just shut up and you let it sit there and you make them say yes or no. Not make them, but you just be quiet. Sometimes if they're really awkward, you might sit there for a long time. But generally you ask it and you let it hang so that they're forced to go, I don't think we can do that, or yeah, that sounds good, and the thing they told us in that fundraising is they said, you will be just as good of a fundraiser as you are an evangelist because it is the exact same task. It is asking somebody that has something they hold dear in their life if they're willing to let go of it and try something new, and so if you want to help share the gospel with people, you've got to get good at the question. You know, we've been talking about it forever. Will you just come with me to church this week? Silence. Silence. Make them say yes. Make them say no. And in this passage, that is a job that Jesus leaves to us. Now there's an in-between, right? There's a lot of internal processing and, you know, it's not that you sit there and you bug somebody all day long. But we have to have kind of that killer instinct to look for that moment when somebody is really close to the kingdom. When they're really really close to maybe give something a try and to put before them a very stark decision. Do you want to try this or not? And that's good, and it's healthy, and it's a thing that God calls us to do. And it's something that most of us are really bad at. The planting the seed thing is easy, the reaping thing is hard, but they're both the two jobs, the only two jobs that God calls us to in this passage. All right, so let's talk about youth group mission trips for a minute. What does this have to do? Why am I preaching this today? This is not just a random sermon. Um, A lot of times the stuff that you guys do this week is seed planting ministry and you will not see it grow it's march in new england nothing grows that's <laughs> true in so many ways i mean it is just uh what you guys will do this week will start the opportunities for a lot of people to come closer to god for a lot of good relationships to be formed a lot of good work to happen but the likelihood that someone at the end of the week will go you've changed my life i think is relatively low And sometimes we get these unfair expectations on ourselves where it's like, oh, boy, like we get really geared up about the trip. And, you know, to be fair, the way that we ministers try to get you on these trips is that we can want you to get geared up. No one's like, listen, we're going to do some work. Probably won't see any fruit. Come on up to Rhode Island. Right. That would be a terrible way to get anybody to come. But I just want you to realize that there will probably be a moment where you're going, why am I doing this? This stinks. And just know that you are being very helpful and you are starting the planting of seeds and that there's no way for you to know the growth that's going to come from it short of coming back and talking to me years later and going, hey, you know, what happened with this or what happened with that? And so being content with the ministry of seed planting is uh, something that's important for for you guys, something I want to encourage you in today, that you will do that this week. And seeing the fruit born from it may or may not happen, but that's okay. Uh, Furthermore for all of us I just want us to encourage encourage us to continue to live intentionally in our lives live lives saying I am going to be a planter of seeds and I am going to be a reaper of harvest this is my job this is what I am looking out for and particularly lean into that back end where is there a conversation where somebody is ready I read a book by someone years ago that was a good little book on evangelism and conversations, and he talked about how sometimes you'll work with somebody and experience the growth forever, and then somebody else does that reaping job, and that's okay. He had a friend who he had been having spiritual conversations with and talking about Jesus for years and years and years and years, and then a friend of his hung out with uh, this guy he'd been working with one weekend, and the friend was a master reaper. And he saw this guy's heart changing, and he goes, man, it sounds like you're ready to become a Christian. What are you waiting for? And the guy goes, I don't know. Let's do it. And they bat, they were in a, in a boat. They baptized him in the water right there. And the guy, the minister had been working with him, heard about it later, and he goes, what? You stole it from me. It was right under my nose and worked on this guy for so many years. But it was that instinct that there are moments where people are ready. And the sad thing is sometimes those minute, minutes fade. Those moments go away. Sometimes somebody's ready, and they're ready to be asked, and then it disappears. It's a Silly metaphor, but if there's someone that you've been wanting to ask on a date, sometimes there's a moment where if you ask today, they will say yes, and if you wait till next week, they've moved on to somebody else. And so having that instinct of like, today is the day where this person is ready to try something. I need to make a ask for God. is kind of that reaping work. I want to encourage us all to grow in that because it's something we don't talk about or do enough um, in church. Uh, It's my prayer that we live trying to be God's people every day. It's easy for you guys this week, right? Because you're here explicitly to do ministry work. And so you'll be kind of intently in that, and I hope you grow in that. But for all of this, I hope that we have an intention about how we live life, that we're looking for the opportunities to do the thing God calls us to. All right. A couple of good questions here. Uh, First question. When does sleep in the uh, parable become apathy or indifference towards the crop or mission? Um, so that's a good question. One of the first answers I have, and this is something that Caleb is preaching without living very well, the Bible does call us to like rest in Sabbath. Uh farmers, and I don't know this super well because I am not agrarian in any way, shape, or form, but there are times of rest. Like there's busy seasons where you plant and plant and plant and plant. And then there's times where you have less to do. You might do some work around the barn, might tune up the tools, make sure everything's watered. I mean, now we irrigate. But particularly in old times, there was a period between planting and reaping where you kind of just sat around and waited for stuff to pop up. There was some rest in there. And we as Americans have been trained to say, that rest is terrible. You're not busy. You're not punching your clock. What is possibly happening? And it's okay to have a little more trust that God is working. This is part of what Sabbath is doing and why Sabbath builds faith, is it's a time to rest and say, I've done what I can in this situation. I'm going to keep on going. Um, The other thing is, you know, crops as a metaphor is very seasonal, but the reality of church is that there's always something that can be planted at any season. So there's times where we can work on this project and get it going and maintain it and operate it and be faithful to it. But then after a while, there's maybe something else that we spend time in and other things that we start or other places. So there's, there's always seasons of life is part of what I'm saying. Um, I guess what I would say is just be mindful of what work you're doing. If you're like, oh, I've got to be busy, I've got to be active. Okay, but are you active in the kind of work God wants you to do or are you active in worry? I think that's really where this comes down to is we spend a lot of times, I think this would be really true for parents, You plant seeds with your kids and you try to help your kids. You try to be there. But there's some degree to which, you know, eight hours a day while they're at school, you could sleep or you can toil. That kid's going to be at school growing the same way whether you're there or not. And so sitting around worrying about it is not going to do you a lick of good. This is why Jesus says every day has enough trouble of its own. Worry about today. Do the thing that's in front of you. Don't worry about the results. And so I think there is a a message to us about resting and trusting God in the seasons of growth. Uh, But there's also, you know, if if you've done planting one field, you find another field to plant. This is kind of the way a minister would think about it is, what's the new thing to start, the new place to go, the new beginnings that I haven't made yet? Um, So that's how I'd answer that one. Second question, what does reaping look like in the church, or is that... Just a role for uh, people who are in the body of Christ. Um, here's what I think reaping might look like. And this gets really not fun. Uh, it's having honest conversations with people that we really need to have honest conversations with. Um, you know, I, I've seen that, you know, my, you know, you talk to a friend and you go, I've seen in your life that this thing is happening and it's really not good for you. And what are we going to do to knock this off? Like, how can I help you to get this out of your life? It's no good. That is a decision point, right? That's not asking them to grow. That's you see a point where they've already had God working in their heart, and you are the impetus for like, okay, how are we going to change it now? Uh, And so, you know, some of the ways we talk about accountability, some of the ways that we talk about, um, I mean, church discipline, that's a phrase you don't ever use anymore, but these kinds of things. I think there's a place to – look into someone's life and look into where someone's being and say enough's enough like it's time we, we gotta get rid of this uh, i think that's what reaping might look like um oh but also it can be a positive that's really negative there's also positives like um taking a new step it's looking at that guy who's been in bible class for a long time and asks really good questions but never takes any leadership and going i'm gonna be out of town next week will you teach bible study next week for me and making that point of decision for them like am i going to take a next step am i going to grow in faith am i going to go further or am i just going to continue to serve in this role i've always served in so that's another way i think we can reap within the church is to ask for greater growth um for people give them new opportunities i'm gonna go through um you know what let's do this oh that's it's i knew it's so beautifully written that it had to be from you um, yeah so it says reaping relying on the holy spirit question mark and yeah i think that there's a lot of that in reaping what is the difference between ripping an ungrown sa- sapling out of the ground and killing it and reaping good judgment right and so um that is where we do need the holy spirit to go like is this a person who is at a point now in their growth where a good question that encourages decision is good for them Or is this something that's too much, too fast, and just going to, like, destroy them? And there is a lot of discernment there, and it does require the Holy Spirit.